views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, it's great to be connecting with all of you. Thank you for tuning us in and turning us on right here at the Dr. Pat Show. Awesome day today. We've got a lineup for you. Why? Because we are on a global mission. We are on a mission to come together with this thing that is now known as independent media. And pretty soon, we're so, so excited about our upcoming crowdfunding campaign and what it is we've incorporated that all of you want to know about. So, you know, the narrative on radio, especially talk radio, is you drive in your car and you hear the show. The new narrative is that anywhere you are, no matter what you're doing, you can hear the show of your choice. And we are literally two months away from finishing technology that is not just for us. You know, our plan is to share this technology with independent and other radio networks that are not under the guise of, you know, a corporate umbrella, which is run by advertisers that tell people what the content should and shouldn't be. This is a project for those of us that's two years in the making. And the time is now, you know, the world is at a place now where each of us individually have done quite a bit on our own and you all as well, your own personal growth. But what do we need to do differently today? How soon is now from personal initiation to planetary transformation with my guest today, Daniel Pinchbeck? And why is this important? It's important because You know, what he's written in his book and what he's inviting us to consider is how soon is now? Are we waiting for something that may or may not come? And what is it that we are no longer called to do alone? Now, Daniel has been out and about in the world as someone beyond being a New York Times bestselling author, but someone out there been featured in magazines, been featured on radio and television, and he has decided, I've got a message that I want to get out into the world. And how can I get that message out into the world? How can we create planetary and cultural change. Daniel, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. You know, 
I mean, the question is, how soon is now? It's kind of an interesting question. Great title for the book. Um, But, you know, when I used to ask my mom this question, my mom was a real fighter, had her first child at 12, second child at 13. And I would ask her questions about how soon do I need to do something? Her answer, I got to tell you, Daniel, it didn't matter what I was asking. Her answer was always yesterday. (laughs) Now... I went to a lot of therapy to understand what that meant. But is yesterday a good answer for how soon is now? And welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, when when people confront the ecological thing and they say to themselves, you know, when when was the best time to plant a tree? And obviously the best time was 10 years ago. (laughs) The second best time is today. Hello? Oh, yeah. I, 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 you're still there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, from that context is, you, you know, this is really looking at this and reading the book. It's what are the things that are happening planetarily that we're either understanding correctly, Daniel, or not? You know, there is a call to action here that you clearly see in the forefront. And so the question mark for a lot of people is how soon is now? But what is it about what's changing in the world that we're getting? And more importantly, what are we not getting? Um, well, I'm not sure what the we is, but um, I, I mean, a, a lot of people, I think, are still, you know, um, unclear about the ecological situations. That's mm-hmm. one of the focuses of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., there's still a lot of people who really doubt uh, climate change, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, very un- unfortunate because I think the evidence is overwhelming. In the book, I start out looking at a model which is presented by this uh, group of scientists from the Stockholm Resilience Center. It's called the Planetary Boundaries Model. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, kind of uh, climate change, but also species extinction and ocean acidification and, um, you know, uh, pollution and the ozone layer depletion. So it gives you a pretty comprehensive sense of the fact that we're really hitting the, the sort of critical thresholds in all these different areas. But I don't do that just to depress us, because I do mm-hmm. feel that there are tons of uh, solutions, but it's going to require a major awakening and a, a major mind shift uh, yeah. to rally to, to, to deal with what we're doing. And, you know, it's really, first of all, about making a world that's going to be, uh, you know, acceptable and, e- and even something that our, that our children and grandchildren and descendants are able to live in. So at the moment, we're heading in a different direction. You know, I want to ask you this question, uh, Daniel, because I really kind of put it in the in the context of, you know, I, I'm somebody, I grew up in New York City and then New Jersey. And I remember walking on uh, what, let's just call it the Jersey Shore, if I could. And I'm walking along the Jersey Shore and I felt, um, you know, a little prick in my foot. And I had stepped on a, on, on a, on a needle. Uh, from a from a, a an injection an injection needle based on the waste that's been dumped in there. Now, that's one sign of it. But clearly, every day in our lives, there's more and more things that we can see and point to. What is it that you've seen in your years, your relationship, your earlier work? What has this journey been like? And what are some of the challenges you faced in bringing this conversation to the forefront? Uh, well, it's a conversation that you know people don't really want to have for the most. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know, particularly in our country, uh, you know, we have a very powerful media that's very distracting. 
I think also the, the, you know, the kind of in the new age culture, the focus on personal healing and Mm -hmm. personal exploration, it kind of drowns out the, the need for us to, you know, maybe have more of a sense, like we actually need to, you know, not just take responsibility for ourselves, which of course is great, but also for the for the community, you know, the, the larger community. And yeah, I guess for me, a very powerful, you know, like there were a few different points that really that really started me off. One was uh, going down to the Amazon to visit a tribe down there, mm-hmm. seeing how much of the forest uh, had been, you know, demolished, even over the last like 10 or 15 years, and then learning that was happening all, all over the planet, you know, and, and yeah, that the, the, the Amazon, you know, is like the lungs of the earth, like 20% of our Oxygen comes from the tropical forests, and we're just, uh, you know, wiping it out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel a sense? And uh, you know, I have a I have a friend that has been going down to the Amazon for years, and you know, working with you know the indigenous people there, as well as creating amazing, you know, plant products and 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 just absolutely healing healing approaches to things. I asked him if he felt hopeless right now with what he's exploring. And I want to ask you this question. Are we going through a stage of hopelessness? That And what I mean by that is like, oh, my gosh, is there anything really that I can do to stop this? Do you sense that people are in that hopeless moment? Yeah, I think people have been in the hopeless moment for a while. Yeah. But uh, the fact is that there are many things that we could do. That's really what the book, uh, How Soon Is Now, really looks at. Like, for instance, you know, we could shift to 100% renewable energy. And, you know, we don't have to do that in 70 years or 100 years. We could do it in, in 10 or 15 years if it became a global mission. I mean, human society can move very quickly. And there are incredible examples of that. Like in the Second World War after Pearl Harbor, the U.S. shifted all of its industries to, uh, you know, for wartime production and also taxed the wealthy at 94%. So it would have the capital that it needed to... You know, make, make you know address the Nazi uh, threat. You know what we kind of need is a, is a global effort along those lines. But first, we have to break through the uh, the obstacles of of, of our psyche. Uh, you know, similarly with uh, you know with agriculture. You know, we can't continue the industrial farming system. We actually have to shift to what's called re- re- regenerative agriculture. You know, at the moment, the UN is saying that we only have 60 years left of uh, soil the way we're farming now before we we don't have any more harvests. So actually, right now is when we have to re- redesign the, the the agriculture system, and the book points out how we can do that. Points out how we can redesign the industrial frameworks that it supports the biodiversity and, and and you know evolution, and then it looks at the political and economic changes that we would have to make. You know, like how our money system unfortunately creates debt, creates scarcity, creates competition, and there are other monetary you know other other tools that we could create to exchange value. Or ways we could redesign how we exchange value that would that wouldn't force such excess consumption and destructive uh, overdevelopment. You know, there's one thing I'm really struck by in the book, and and that is Daniel. I'm really struck by how much information is in here, and what I'm really really questioning for myself is, you know. Maybe I'm a little bit more informed than the average person, but some of the information you have in here is just unprecedented. Everything from the infinite resource, which you reference in here, and what's happening in in Switzerland, um, and so forth, to more examples of what's happening to plant life. And I guess where I'm really, I want to ask you this question and talk about it when we come back is, with all of this information, 
and clearly you have a ton of it in this book. What do we need to do to get this information to the average person so that they can see there's a call to action here? Let's take a short break, everyone. Uh, When we come back, more with Daniel about this. How soon is now? What a great book this is. And seriously, if you're thinking, wow, this is a book you share with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones, and then ask yourself, what am I going to do? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The 25th Annual Women of Wisdom Conference, Remember Who You Are, Honoring Ourselves, We Heal the World, is this February 16th through the 20th. WOW is calling for women to gather. This is the time for women to step into our power, support each other, share our stories, empower our dreams, and build leaders for our community and the next generation of women. Join us for life-changing, intimate workshops on diverse topics such as music, dance, art, sexuality, relationships, healing, goddess wisdom, life purpose, and more. Join us and be witnessed, valued, and inspired to discover your purpose and share your stories. WOW is one of the longest-running women's spirituality conferences in the world. You can register for individual events or enjoy the whole weekend. This February 16th through the 20th, visit womenofwisdom.org. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. When your body is awakened, your spirit comes alive. Dana Canetto is a transformational guide, embodiment coach, and spiritual mentor assisting women in realigning with their truth and embodying who they are by connecting to the wisdom of their body. Tune in every month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network for Body Divinity Radio with Dana Canetto. For more information on Dana and her services, visit danacanetto.com. That's D-A-N-A-C-A-N-N-E-T-O.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Space to rent in this town. 
everybody. Welcome back. I'm so glad, you know, listen, I am so thrilled to have Daniel joining me here today. And, you know, by the way, I'm not kidding about this book. And there is so much in the book. I almost want to encourage all of you, if you're ever thinking about what are we going to talk to the family about? How are we going to spend time with our children? There is so much in this book, including, you know, the preface that was written by by Sting, which I'm actually going to talk about here with Daniel. But this is the book that will help give you answers to the many questions you're wondering about that's happening in the media today. Everything from, wow, climate change doesn't really exist. That's the headlines to the reality of facts that Daniel has put in this book. And so I encourage all of you to think about it. How soon is now? Daniel, before we just jump in here, I want folks to know, how can I find out about you? How can I connect with you? What's your social media, ABCD and all of the above? And by the way, when can I get a copy of this book? <laughs> the, book is, <laughs> the book is out now, so anybody could get it right away, either at a bookstore mm-hmm. or by Kindle. I mean, it's out the second. Uh, today's the pub date, in fact, in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a website for the book, howsoonisnow.info. Uh, I have my own website, pinchbeck.io. I'm on Twitter and Instagram under my name. I, I post all the time on Facebook. Um, you know, fairly easy to follow and to get a hold of. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So here I am, and I am like, I'm on a mission to not withhold information from people. I'm an independent radio host. I own an independent radio network. We're expanding tenfold in about two months. And information is so important. I wanted to ask you in writing this book, you have reams of information in here. I, I'm telling you, I, I thought I was on board with what's going on, but I'm not. And I want to ask you, how do we get this information into the hands of the average everyday person? But then the next part of the question is, now that it's in their hands, What is the action that we want them to take? Yeah, well, I mean, Mm. I mean, I've seen, for instance, you know, my work was influential to Russell Brand, the Mm -hmm. comedian, also wrote an introduction for the book. And so, you know, I, I, you know, maybe people have different functions, they reach different audiences, maybe, you know, I, I reach a smaller audience, but it's an influential audience. So Russell took a lot of ideas that he began putting them out in his videos, which reached like, you know, you know, millions of people or hundreds of thousands. So I would think that, you know, public artists can get involved and put out a lot of good information if they have big audiences. Uh, You know, I also think like trying to really, you know, try to essentialize and simplify the messages, look for the myths. Like, you know, in in a sense, the book is really proposing we need like a new myth or a new story about what's happening. And for me, I look at that in terms of biology, like thinking about humanity becoming like one, realizing itself to be a huge like planetary superorganism that that exists in relationship to the Earth's ecology as a whole system, so that we can begin to think about ourselves uh, a bit differently. Or looking at the ecological crisis as a kind of rite of passage or initiation or a kind of mission, you know, like we have those, you know, like, you know, if you look at our, our big movies like Star Wars or The Matrix or Avatar, we're actually in a situation like that, where we have this tremendous opportunity to undertake uh, this, this mission to uh, bring our world back into balance and overcome, you know, greed and, and corporate empire and so on. So, yeah, I think like uh, messaging out the, the situation, simplifying it, finding uh, public artists, you know, bigger media hubs, ways that stuff can go viral on the Internet. Then in terms of the solutions, like I think, you know, building community is a big one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some exper- experience with that starting a nonprofit where we were building local communities, you know, bringing people together, using the new tools that can help people shift uh, out of, you know, kind of the, the mainstream systems, whether it's like a time banking system like Time Republic or a decision-making system like my friends created this thing called Lumio, L-O-O-M-I-O dot O-R-G. People can get together and discuss and make decisions together in their communities, uh, you know, exploring things like complementary currencies, reducing uh, resource use. You know, one of, the, one of the easiest things that anybody could do to help the earth is, is to, you know, as much as possible, uh, not eat meat, you know, whether that means reducing it or eliminating it. You know, we know that uh, meat eating has a very negative uh, impact on the planet. And similar, similar with a lot of uh, exotic travel has, has a big impact. So there's small mm-hmm. things we can do on a, on, a, on a level of our own consumption, uh, bigger things we can do in community. And then also, I think, being aware that we're going to enter, you know, a bigger time of crisis. And crisis also creates opportunity. So we have to be ready with new ideas, new programs, or new ways that people can get together, you know, so that when the crisis comes, we can actually go in a great direction rather than a horrible direction. Yeah, I love what Sting wrote in 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 the preface of the book when he talked about, you know, a a biospheric emergency facing us all wired into our DNA, but then goes on to say that, you know, that most of our problems are due to a low level of understanding about the realities we face, and I'm really struck by that. I just was not so aware that this idea of low level of understanding hit us at the very top of our political establishment and at the top of our uh, organizational establishments. If I believe that denial and greed weren't in the mix, I am then looking at a low level of understanding. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, what would be your top three things that you would like people to understand if you only had three to pick what would you say to folks to say please understand this yeah well i would say that we're we're, we're facing an existential threat based on our, our mistreatment of the global environment and you know if we ignore it we're imperiling you know our, our own future lives to some extent but certainly the lives of our children because uh, we know what happens during past extinction level events they can be very radical and very quick. So when we recognize that, we, we have to shift our priorities. Number two would be, you know, we have to integrate the reality that we're in, not, not that we wish we, we were in, and then we have to change our priorities so that we're thinking about ourselves in relationship to this, uh, you know, planetary process that needs to take place, you know. And then I think the third one is that we can take this on, not as something to be depressed about, but actually something that mm-hmm. fills our life with meaning and purpose as something that really inspires us to want to work with with people to come together to build something new to you know resist uh, you know the destructive aspects of, of, of the current you know administration and the corporatocracy and so on and and then and then, and then beyond that would be yeah for, you know creating local communities uh, you know looking at the different solution approaches that can be that can be applied uh, you know I think it's it can be very galvanizing and inspiring to just accept the situation, realize that we are actually the catalytic catalytic agents who can change it. Yeah, it was really interesting. I got some feedback from a listener the other day who said, you know, I'm not willing to tap into fear. And I thought to myself, I, I went back and I actually asked, where is the fear in this? And so it's it wasn't necessarily tapping into fear. It was let us present the facts. And if the facts 
make you afraid, then maybe there's something to pay attention to. I noticed that you're not really pointing fingers here. You are literally presenting the facts. So doesn't that give us all an opportunity to explore facts about what is happening so that we are better educated and informed? And if fear is the result of it, then maybe there's a very good reason. Yeah, I think that you know we have to see fear as a kind of, it's almost like a, an immune system response mm-hmm. on the level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the same way, like when you get sick, that's your body telling you something, you know, fear, the fear, the fear is also telling us something, you know, about our situation that, that we need to take seriously. However, yeah, we have to, I mean, part of the idea of initiation, you know, in tribal societies is you have to go through the ordeal. You have to face your fears so that you can come out the other side, you know, and, and, and almost, uh, you know, be, be above, you know, be beyond them in a way. So that, that's kind of the situation we're in right now. Yeah. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We're going to talk about a couple of really interesting things that, Daniel, you've put in the book. One of them is we lack a moral center in our society. What does that mean? But what does that mean in the context of planetary culture, and are we able to speak directly to the needs of our moment? And this is, you know, what's referred to in the book, an ecological conversion. We're going to take a short break. We come back. We're going to talk with Daniel about what has this got to do with mythology, our journey, and do we have a moral center? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Gibbs is a fourth-generation high priestess with the knowledge to raise your vibration and conscious creation. Offering a wide variety of services from goddess light and shamanic healing seminars to private reading sessions, Brie works with you so you too can stand in your own power. Isn't it about time you took your life into your own hands? For more information about Brie's services and products, visit silvergaia.com. That's silvergaia.com. A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Sky Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine, and my show is Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
When we're bogged down with our emotions, the hardships that plague us in our relationships, at work, our finances, we literally can't see the higher plane where we could be operating from. Tune in to Leslie Fontaine, Share Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in to Dynamics of Diversity Radio, scripting the new narrative for immigration with leading experts, Kripa Upadya and Steve Tanijo on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This show will remove the noise that often accompanies discussions on this topic and share a new perspective on the dynamics of immigration and diversity, ever reminding us that together we are all at the core of innovation, excellence, and positive change. Visit OrbitLawPLLC.com for upcoming topics. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh my goodness. everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to be connecting with all of you. Uh, as I said before, you can find out more about uh, Daniel. Certainly, you can go to the website, howsoonisnow.info. That's howsoonisnow.info. And there's lots of information there. You'll be able to find out uh, more about Daniel, how to get a copy of the book, You know who the people are that are involved in this. And when you get to that page right away, you're going to see the world needs to change as one global tribe. That is absolutely imperative. And, you know, this is really the conversation we're having now. You know, even though many of us are looking and saying, what can I do? There is plenty we could do. Um, Daniel, thank you for joining me here today. You know, I, I read the, I read everybody's book. And I'm always, I'm always, I always question myself about why am I drawn to one thing versus another on any given day? And I was really struck by, um, you know, what you wrote about mythology and then followed it up about the spiritual worlds. And it's for me, I don't know how to separate myself today from what I do in the world from the spiritual world. But you say some very interesting things, especially about lacking a moral center. And I'd love for you to chat about that. Well, you know, I mean, obviously I was, I was writing this book before Trump got elected. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, you know I, I was never a big fan of Hillary or yep. even of Obama. I felt they were very compromised and corrupt and mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, continued a lot of bad policies and increased wealth inequality and so on. Mm-hmm. With, with Trump, clearly... We have a we have a problem in this country. There, there, you know, we 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 put in, in power somebody who's like avowedly uh, amoral and, and self centered and simply, you know, s- you know, greedily seeks more for himself, you know, without any real thought about anybody else, really. So that kind of shows you where we're at as a country. I mean, for it to mm-hmm. get that level of debasement, uh, and you know, in a way, I think people voted for him out of 
despair and disgust or is an mm -hmm. outcry against the system. And hopefully, you know, that means that come where 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 you know a counter a counter movement where actually we 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 you know accept the need for ethics and responsibility and um, you know we, we we undergo a shift in another direction. But yeah, at the moment there definitely is a lack of uh, of any kind of moral center and you know, some of that has to do with questions around love and sexuality that I discussed in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, something that has to do with greed and self-interest. You know, all of these things for me are, are also aspects of our lack of initiation. You know, that that these indigenous traditional societies would force the young men, in particular, you know, to to go through a process where they would have like visionary experience uh, ordeals, and ultimately they would sort of get beyond their their being trapped in just their ego and. Mm -hmm. Uh, take be able to take responsibility for the community as a whole, uh, and I think that's something that our society really lost. And without that, you know, men, men don't really grow up; they end up being like uh, gigantic uh, adolescents for their whole lives, trapped in their egos. Yeah, you know what I love also in the book is you also mention you mention the Pope. And, you know, uh, for many of us that have sort of, you know, looked at people in spiritual positions, I'm looking at the Pope and I, I'm so amazed at the timing of what he says and how he says it, but how crystal clear he is. And, you know, what I mean by that is there just isn't really any beating around the bush with him. You know, he says things in an almost kind and benign way but they pack a punch. And I, I was curious about that because you do talk about him here um, in the book. And in a sense, it, many people see him as this silent giant, so to speak. And I wanted to get your thoughts of that, um, especially in the context of spiritual worlds. Well, I mean, you know, what I, I really commented upon, which I was very struck by, was the um, you know the, the the piece that the essay that you wrote care for a common home mm -hmm. uh, where he really it was like an ecologically radical manifesto um, where he went through all of Catholic Catholic doctrine and saw the different strands of Catholic doctrine that really apply to seeing ourselves as stewards of the community of life asking wealthy people to make sacrifices for the sake of the poor you know really recognizing that we've we've got into a really totally, uh, you know, ethically compromised and spiritually kind of uh, vacant kind of direction. And I felt it was, it was a very honorable and, and, and heartfelt uh, plea to Catholics to mm -hmm. take the lead in, 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 in moving in a different direction. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, in a way it's almost like uh, rejuvenated or revitalized, uh, you know, Catholicism. And, and if it goes in that direction, it really could be a major positive influence. Yeah. And, you know, tying this all in and, you know, just pulling off a couple of other things that you talk about. Cosmos of wisdom is another term in the book. I get Rudolf Steiner also, you mentioned. Cosmic of wisdom. Here's what I'm really struck by, having grown up in the 60s and so forth. Um, I'm really struck by some of the some of the philosophies, some of the ideas that you know came forth in that generation now coming forth again. And I wanted to ask you, is this, you know, is just me having wishful thinking, or do you see it? Do you see, you know, tying in that revolution that did happen during the 60s and 70s to now a time uh, of, of revolution? Are they similar? 
or are they different? Well, I mean, it's a continuation, right? I mean, I guess mm-hmm. what I write in the book is that like um, the '60s were kind of an effort, you know, both of human liberation and also kind of collective initiation, where people used psychedelics, started using, you know, study, you know, using sports psychedelics and Eastern meditation and, and, and yoga. You began this whole uh, process, you know, and, and, and it's gone on. You know, at that time, maybe it couldn't be completed because there weren't really elders around and, mm-hmm. and got kind of lost in their journeys and society was very much against it and so on. So, you know, may, yeah, may, maybe we can have another stage of that, you know, initial mm-hmm. journey where actually we, uh, you know, we move into this this next stage of consciousness. I mean, from my perspective, when I look at what's happening yeah. ecologically and geopolitically, you know, we're, there's no doubt that, you know, we're going to, things are going to get much worse in many respects, you know, and, and the question is, you know, how do we deal with that? You know, are we going to see a mass depopulation and, and mass destruction, you know, or could we really take a different turn and realize that, you know, now we have a whole Google communications machine, we can all interact with each other, uh, you know, could we use that as a basis to, really construct a more humane, more equitable uh, society. Yeah, I I was really interested in you talking about rebellion, and I want to talk about it for a little bit. Um, You know, growing up when you grew up, growing up when I grew up, um, there are so many things that I think were passed on, passed on from an earlier generation to the generation X's. And I think one of the things you say in the, you say in the book, and I'm probably going to paraphrase, but it was, you know, my generation X is pretty much surrendered, you know, without a fight. Um, and I thought for a while that we would continue to surrender, we would continue to surrender. And I reach back out to people of my generation and I ask them, you know, I, I reach back out to Gloria Steinem and some of the people that are still alive today. And I say, and I ask, when did you surrender? Because it isn't just a generation X. Do you think that surrender developed its own psyche for us in our evolution? Um, well, I, I'm having a little bit of a hard time understanding your question, to be honest. But I mean, Gloria Steinem, somebody seems like she's fought a lot for for. Yep. for what, do you, what do you mean that she surrendered? Well, did we surrender? Did we go through periods in in our evolution in our history, like the '80s, for example, where we stopped being as vocal as we once were? Clearly, the vocal the vocal nature of rebellion is is right in the forefront right now. But I was always curious about myself as well, is did I go through sort of this lull that has now been awakened? Um, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know the answer to that question for yourself? I do know for myself. Absolutely know the answer. Yeah. It, the answer is, okay, I traded myself in for corporate security, which was really not corporate security. I totally get that. I mean, you know, I looked myself in the mirror one day and my big paying fat corporate job and my boss wanting me to fire a woman with 29 years, 11 months of service. And I found my soul again. And I, I can't repeat on air what I said to her, but I basically said, blank you, and no, I'm not going to do it, and I'm not going to implement downsizing, and you could take my head count. And by the way, I was six months away from my own pension, so I had to find my soul again. You bet. You bet I went sort of all crazy out there and, 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 and drank the Kool-Aid. But 
I'm not seeing that now. I'm seeing people that are saying, you're not going to put that that oil here. Nope, that's not going to happen. Oh, by the way, uh, we don't believe in what you're doing with this, and we don't believe in what you're doing with that. Do we need more of this is my question. Yeah, we, we, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't seem to want to talk about, you know, the, the Trump situation directly. But, uh, you know, we're in a very... Yeah, no, I can talk about the Trump situation directly. We're in a very dangerous circumstance where, you know, we, we, there seem to be people who, you know, want to be kind of white supremacist authoritarians and, you know, totally, just, you know, destroy the environment for the sake of corporate greed. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's a very obvious do or die period, you know, where either there, there's going to be a rising up against this uh, or, uh, you know, or, or things are going to get incredibly uh, dark. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, and I'm seeing every, you know, lots of people that I know and, you know, the, everybody who's progressive and has a heart, you know, is beginning to realize that we have to now, you know, fight for what we believe in. But, you mm-hmm. know, really what I felt was very important about doing this book was that, you know, the, the progressive community tends to be kind of like fragmented. And yeah. I felt it really wasn't a, a cohesive vision of where we want to go. You know, like I feel mm-hmm. like with the right wing, the extreme white right, like we know they want, you know, xenophobia they want to get rid of immigrants they want to you know you know they, they you know they want military you know but i didn't feel on, on the part of the, the progressive movement we could say where we want to go so i felt it was important to put a very radical stick at the ground and you know looking at you know i talked about people like buckminster fuller yeah his his whole idea that like you know in the 60s he realized that we have the technical power we have the ability to make a world where our entire human community is cared for and where we reduce the amount of work people have to do. I mean, you know, so one reason that Trump won is he said, oh, he's going to bring back all these manufacturing jobs, you know, but that's not the case. There's actually way more automation happening. And, you know, now we have self-driving cars. So in a few years, the three and a half million truck drivers that we have will, will probably be laid off, you know. So that could be seen as a disaster, you know, and it could lead to them just starting wars to get rid of people, you know, or we could say, hey, we're shifting into something new. This is like a post-capitalist post-work reality, where we don't really want people to have to work as much anymore. We're going to subsidize them. People can have basic incomes. They can create more like decentralized local communities where they learn to grow some of their own food, create their own energy, take care of their local ecology. You know, and those, and those communities can be meshed together in a bioregional way, and then in a mm-hmm. planetary way. You know, the internet can be used so that people can have a direct democracy rather than just having to vote for one of two corrupt, uh, you know, representatives every several years. Uh, and, you know, in a, in a way we have outmoded, we have an outmoded, obsolete political economic system that's very much obstructing uh, the, the potential for human evolution and human progress. And, yeah. you know, we need to sort of break out of our, uh, the, the obstructions in our beliefs and ideas that make us think it has to be this way and realize that this is actually all a creation. Like we created this, you know, and, and we could create something very, very different. Yeah. You know what I love? I love I love talking about this and I don't have any problem talking about Trump in the headlines because I live in the state of Washington and we have a show on this network called Dynamics of Diversity, which is hosted by um, an amazing immigration law firm uh, and both Creepa and Steve. And part of what I know about the fabric of this little Seattle station here that we're on pretty much going unnoticed by the rest of the world has created the very essence and fabric of the action that was just taken by our attorney general. 
And I love that. I love being able to see how somebody under the radar, think about it, the state of Washington, they think we're pretty much nuts over here. Daniel, you know that. I mean, when I lived on the East Coast, we used to look at Washington State and Oregon, and we would look at these people and we'd think, oh, my God, let's not pay any attention to them because they're really on another planet. And here we are, right, a state that pretty much had one of the strongest progressive populations, and all of a sudden, We're in the Supreme Court. I think kind of maybe that's a little bit of the action you refer to in the book. But I wish I had the blueprint for how that was done, right? You see what I mean? (laughs) What do you mean the blueprint? The blueprint is how these folks came together, this entire staff uh, of, of working with the attorney general, the lawyers that came together pretty much off the radar and got something historical done. I think it was masterful. Yeah. I think it was masterful. And how the businesses here in the state of Washington came together, some of them competitors of each other, by the way, and came together and completely off the radar made something happen. That inspires me. I believe it inspires me. And I want to know more. I want to know more how about that, that get that done. And I think that's what your book does. I think that's what the message in here is. That we don't have to be alone and we don't have to feel helpless and hopeless. At least that's my takeaway from it. What do you think? Um, yeah, but, I, but, but really that, you know, you know if, if any change is going to happen, it's because, you know, we individually decide that, you know, we're going to make it happen and, and that, you know, and then we yeah. do it. And that's, that's yeah. the now part, you know. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I have to tell you, I read your book. And, um, and, and I thought, wow, here's what happened for us here after all of us got tapped into what you wrote. We were sitting here and we are in the middle of our technology and we made a conscious decision that we're taking too long for it. Now, I know you don't talk about this in your book, but I'll tell you, it was the inspiration, Daniel. It was, Pat, you could sit here another six months and wait for the damn technology to be done, or you can get the team together and we can initiate a crowdfunding effort and get it done in a tenth of the time. That's what reading your book helped me get to. Amazing. I hope people get to the same thing in their own lives. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm I'm really, really encouraged to hear. I mean, I... And, you know, oh. initial readers have really been very grateful and have said that they really, like, put together, um, you know, a lot of things that they felt and thought kind of inchoately, but, but gave them the support to, you know, see it more comprehensively, the situation. So I, I, I don't know if you planned that with the book. I mean, I have to tell you, unexpectedly reading your book last night, and then I shot an email out to my entire team, and then I came in this morning before this show – I already had a, a meeting with the team to expedite our crowdfunding campaign and our technology. And I don't know exactly, I wish I could point to exactly what I read in here. Uh, maybe it was, you know, the chapter on God, love, and revolution. I don't know. But I wanted to ask you this. Are people reading this book and are you feeling that they are taking action? Because I could not read this book and talk to you today and not do something. I just couldn't. 
well, you know, the, the book has actually just come out. Uh-huh. So I haven't had a lot of uh, reactions yet from people. And of course, I'm very, very excited to see, you know, h- how people react to it. I mean, what, you know, this book took me really a long time and a lot of difficulty to, to finish. And, you know, what yeah. is that I actually saw, you know, my earlier books really did have an impact, you know, like mm-hmm. my first book, Breaking Open the Head, came out in 2002. And it was about psychedelic shamanism. And I wrote about ayahuasca and mushrooms and iboga. And it was very cutting edge at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And it still is cutting edge. But now really yeah. a lot of people have, uh, you know, there's a lot of scientific research happening. And really a lot of uh, evidence has correlated, you know, with, with the positive perspective on psychedelics. So like we've seen like, you know, there's therapy, uh, you know, kind of trials to use MDMA uh, to treat mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan war. And that's having a 60% success rate. And, uh, you know, psilocybin mushroom component to you to treat uh, kind of uh, end-of-life uh, anxiety and people with terminal illnesses and depression. And So, yeah, the evidence is really mounting up, and it's quite incredible. So I sort of feel this book, it's the same thing. It's like a little in advance. You know, most people maybe are just waking up to how problematic things are. Mm-hmm. But I think soon it's going to be, there's going to be a growing awareness that, you know, if we want to even survive as a species, let alone thrive, we, we need a we need a profound a system shift. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, is is like a it's like a manual or blueprint for how we might be able to organize that. Well, I will tell you, I know it's new coming out of the gate, but I would be love to write exactly what this book catapulted us to do here and send it to you to post on your website or any other place you want. Because me being on the fence about what to do and how to do it and how quickly to do it, I am no longer there. That's awesome. I am no longer there. Um, You talk about it. You say crisis in opportunity. And uh, boy, I'm going to paraphrase again. So I'm so sorry if I misquote things here. Uh, It was late last night. Crisis in opportunity is such an invitation. What is it? I know we only have a few minutes left. I want to ask you, what is it that you could say to the people that are going to listen to this show all over the world, by the way, 90 media outlets right now, but what can we say to them to say, listen, crisis and opportunity, can you create the opportunity? What can we say to help them create the opportunity? Well, I mean, I think if we look back, you know, both in our own lives and evolution in general, you know, we, we see that often it requires a crisis, you know, or, or really, you know, a dangerous situation before people or, you know, even organisms, you know, make dramatic changes. You know, so maybe we had to push ourselves into this crisis, you know, and I argue in some ways we might think about the sort of ecological and the geopolitical mess that we're in as things that in a, in a way we've subconsciously kind of like almost helped create them. Maybe we did that to really force us to take another step, you know, to 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 grow up or to or to use our our intelligence and our, and our powers to, uh, to 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 face uh, what, what what we've done. Because I think mm-hmm. underlying everything, and we we know in our hearts that we could have a, a much better world than this, a more equitable one, a more altruistic mm-hmm. one, a more caring one, you know, uh, where where people are really given the the, the opportunities to cultivate you know, their unique gifts, their creativity, and so on. And, you know, and, and so, you know, we need to make that world, you know, we have to stop talking about it, you know, and, and hopefully, hopefully these crises are, are the, the, the thing that catapults us to go into a more like authentic uh, realization of our, 
of our of our circumstances and also of our possibilities. Well, Daniel, I have to tell you, I want I can't thank you enough. I mean, I can't thank you enough in a lot of different ways. I mean, I've pretty much read everything you've written, but this particular book um, has really generated or ignited in me a call to action that I knew I had in me, but I needed a little push. Thank you for pushing me and thank you for pushing others in the world. One last question. What would you like the personal message to be from you to the people listening? And thank you again so much. Well, you know, I mean, it's pretty much what, what we discussed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the message is that, um, you know, that we are facing an ecological emergency that threatens our future as a species. You know, we have a lot of obstructions. We have the wrong people running our governments and our corporations. But it's not a question of blaming them. It's a question of realizing that it's a systemic crisis and that actually we do have the tools, as the book elaborates, to change the situation. We just have to, enough of us have to reach a tipping point where we're willing to really work together to co-create, to bring about uh, the type of changes that are that, that are necessary. Awesome. I want to tell everybody the book is How Soon Is Now. The website is howsoonisnow.info. I will be writing something up for those of you out there. I'm also going to post um, uh, where uh, I can present a review of the book, and I certainly will send it to you, Daniel. Um, uh, I will say that my folks were a little bit disheveled here this morning (laughs) with this meeting right before the show, but I will tell you they are already into action. That's wonderful. Um, Thank you so much. And what's the best place for people to get a copy of the book? From the website? No, not on the website. Amazon or, you know, the best thing would be if they have local bookstores, particularly local independent bookstores. They go and order the book, um, you know, and get it there uh, to support local bookstores and bookstores in general, which are, you know, struggling these days. But then also Amazon, you know, is very easy if they don't have a local bookstore, if it's too hard. They can order it, they get it sent to them, they get a Kindle edition, uh, even right away. (laughs) Yeah, please, right away. What I'm going to say to everybody... Right away, this is a breakthrough book, but it is a call to action. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for today. Wow. I want to thank everybody for tuning us in, turning us on. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We've got another hour coming up. Please check out the website. I was able to capture some of the things in the book, but I'm telling you, I didn't even get to the tip of the iceberg. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Okay, cool. Thanks. The audio was via a Skype call.